you're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Talks Arotere. This is episode 63. Welcome to another exciting, enlightening episode of Living Inside Out with Talks. If this is your first time joining in, I am sending you a big virtual hug and I deeply appreciate you joining me. And while you're at it, before we dive in, please subscribe to this podcast. And also, if after listening, you feel, hmm, I like what I heard, then can I ask that you give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening? Because every review, every like, every share really does help to increase our visibility so that more people can find us. And if you've been listening on here for quite a while, whether it's your second or your 15th or your 63rd time, (laughs) can't believe that number. What's up? Do you remember there used to be this TV ad? I think it was for Budweiser that these guys would go, what's up? And it was so cool. (laughs) It was a meme before memes were memes. It feels like that was like the 90s or so, but I don't think it was that far back. It was definitely at least 10 years ago. I'm so excited to be recording this podcast and also to share that I had the privilege of being interviewed on the Simplifiers podcast. And the episodes, yes, plural, parts one and two are out. This amazing space is hosted by none other than Mary Bird, who is a creative entrepreneur, business coach and undercover superhero. She is absolutely amazing. When you listen to her podcast, you'll see why. And she's got one goal in mind, which is to simplify your life. And so each episode breaks down topics in business and life and simplifies them, which is really needed because with the wealth of information that's out there, it can get pretty overwhelming. And so consider the simplifiers, your toolkit to various life and business topics. I've left the link in the show notes, but you can simply search the simplifiers on any podcast app. And add that to your library of excellent, enlightening podcasts to listen to. Second bit of announcement is Get Unstuck. The Mindset Mentoring course, which begins next month, is available to book from my website, talksarutere.com. All the details about this really good course can be found via the link in the show notes below. So how have you been? What have you been up to? What's been going on in your life? I hope it's been wonderful stuff. I hope and trust you have been recognizing the opportunities to grow and snatching them because they don't stay there forever. Well, remember last week I told you that there are treasures in dark places and also I call challenges lesson teachers. Well, I found some pretty priceless gems. To jog your memory, while I was on holiday in Lagos, I had a wonderful time. There's no denying that. 
but the fun and the busyness also masked what was going on beneath the surface, and I found myself staring at an alternate possible reality from what I have been carrying and hoping for. If you've ever been in that place, which I know you have, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is when fear grips you so tightly that you're paralyzed and then it twists your head to take in the sights, which is all the physical evidence that the thing you fear is certain to come to pass. And then you pray and you pray and no matter what you know to be true, which is that God is faithful, he'll never leave you, he'll never abandon you, somehow you find the scary vision more believable than God's promise. And that was where I found myself. So I felt the need to explore and uncover how I got into that space, which I call shaky ground or the middle ground, considering that I can't even count all of the times I've been in dark places and successfully been pulled out. I can't count them. I've had so many experiences of God literally coming through for me in the nick of time. And you would expect, I would expect that by now I am so confident that, hey, everything's going to work out in the end, that I wouldn't be in a place like that. But I was so wrong. And so I decided to do some exploration and ended up in the story of Eve, who is the woman in the Bible that also found herself on shaky ground, staring at two possible future realities, the one that God told her and the one that the devil was now selling to her. What's interesting was that in the midst of the dread that I was in, I knew that there will be lessons that will come out of it, but I just felt so weary. I felt fed up, done. In that moment, <laughs> you know what I mean. But you see, challenges come to stretch us, to increase our capacity so that we can receive and then handle the wisdom that follows. A big part of what we do at the Baby Cut Shop is logistics. The Baby Cut Shop is a furniture company specializing in the production and sale of baby and children's furniture as well as accessories. And logistics is an area for major stress, potentially major stress, because you can produce the most beautiful furniture in the whole world. But if it is not packaged properly, it will get damaged before it arrives at the intended destination and everyone's time and money and effort would have been for nothing. I used to have a supplier that guaranteed one thing, <laughs> which was that his pieces will arrive damaged every single time. And it got to a point where we started to keep small amounts of his paints in store just in case repairs were needed. Now, on the flip side, we also have a, well, we don't have, obviously, no longer work with that guy. But on the flip side, we have a supplier currently who recognizes the value of his goods and therefore the packaging is ace. I'm pretty sure we can drop it from an airplane and it wouldn't break. <laughs> okay, we wouldn't try that. But seriously, these guys have invested in very high quality packaging because they know that the goods they carry are precious. And so it comes at a price. 
And when you're buying a piece of expensive furniture, understand that you're also paying for expensive packaging to make sure that it arrived at your doorstep in the perfect state that it was supposed to. Valuable materials need to be handled with care. And so if you're going through a rough patch and you can't make sense of it, and it seems like it's one thing after the other after the other, understand that you are a container for wisdom and for God's purpose. You're a carrier of precious gems on your way to deliver hope to the world. The container has got to be robust and you're simply being strengthened. I don't say this because it's nice to hear and it sounds almost poetic, but because it is true and my life is proof. And so I thought I'd share with you a few gems that have come out of that experience I had of dread and fear and uncertainty where I was simply being stretched and being made more robust so I could carry precious gems one of the gems was the realization that I have been aiming too low. So if you listened to the previous episode, which is called Moving On From Mediocrity, number 62, you'd find that I used pretty much the story of Eve and made some comparisons and with mediocrity and being in the middle ground, being between the space where you used to be and where you are heading from. The main point of that episode was that a lot of times when we find ourselves in the middle, on our way to the top, we settle in the middle because we think, well, at least I'm a lot better than I used to be. And sometimes challenges and difficulties cause you to forget your first dream, your original dream, and it sends you into survival mode. And you're just so thankful and glad to be surviving. That survival becomes your goal. And when you get to a place of survival, you settle there because it feels like you have arrived. And so going back down memory lane took me beyond the point I usually start my story from. And so I share my story around the subject of my loss, losing my business, losing everything and starting my life from scratch. I love to share the story publicly because first and foremost, it was the public sharing of it that set me free from hiding <laughs> because I was ashamed of it. I call it my rock star story, not because it's full of nothing but success, because it certainly is not, <laughs> but because it reflects the courage and the boldness to talk about things that once upon a time I was ashamed of. And everyone has a rockstar story and I encourage you to share it. I even do a course called Write Your Rockstar Story. There is none left for this year, 2022, but next year we'll begin that again. Writing your rockstar story empowers you to tell your story on your own terms, in your own way. And also it gives other people the permission to be authentic in what they're going through and in telling their own stories too. So anyway, I usually start my rockstar story from the point where I lost everything pretty much. And so in episode 62, I went past that point and I started off at the place where I was dreaming big. And I thought a lot about it and just really going down that memory lane led me to remember 
that I used to have a big dream before I lost everything and shrunk my dream into a manageable size. So one lesson that came out of the whole experience was me realizing that, hold on a second, I've been aiming too low. I've been in what I'm calling a season of discontent and it has taken every ounce of strength in me not to set people up as a standard because my default thought has been to wonder why I'm not quote unquote there yet (laughs) and there could mean anything from business to private affairs. It's not that I stare wistfully at all the people and wish I had their life or that I even wish that mine was different. I totally love the life I'm living. I wouldn't swap my life for anybody else's life. However, it would appear that circumstances or other people's circumstances have created a filter that erected itself in front of my eyes so that my view of my future is a little bit off. So there have been lots of questions and prayers and more questions to God. When we're in this space of discontent, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I think it's an answer to my prayer because recognizing that I am coasting has been a real wake-up call for me. In many countries in the world, the buzzword at the moment is inflation and there are even talks of a coming recession. I don't concern myself with the news like that because I'm very intentional about creating a healthy environment for my mind. However, I did give the concept some thought. Think about it. Every time there is a financial or economic crisis, prices go up, right? And then the people complain. Then they get used to it. Then they adjust and accept it. And once you can get to a point of acceptance, you respond by either increasing your income, reducing your expenses or doing both. And then you also become accustomed to this new life, whether it is a life of having more income or a life of being more frugal. And then many years later, maybe some roughly seven to ten years later, the cycle begins all over again. I say that to stress just how easily we adapt to circumstances as humans and we can use that to our advantage. Contentment is a good thing, but don't blindly wander into mediocrity and call it being contented. So if you have been worried about high prices and, you know, petrol and food and inflation and all of that, don't worry. You will survive this season. Being adaptable to change in circumstances does not mean accepting a life of mediocrity. Rather, you recognize your own ability to be dynamic and to make changes and above all, to produce more. So in this season, I am in a state of discontent, but it's not a dissatisfaction with my life. It is born out of the recognition that I have been coasting 
and I have been aiming for mediocrity for such a long time because mediocrity was better than my suffering. That's gem number one that I've learned and I hope that helps and makes sense. <laughs> the second lesson came out of the book of Joshua where God said to the children of Israel, which is said to Joshua first, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you. And so I've been reading that a lot. And I've also been going back to the call of Abraham. And I found some very interesting things, which I never knew. So let's start with Abraham. His father's name was Terah, and he had three sons, Abraham. Well, he was actually called Abram. So Abram, Nahor, and Haran. They were all married, these guys. But Abram had no children, while Haran, the father of Lot, Abram's nephew, died young. And so Terah, who was their father, decided to move to Canaan. But halfway there, they arrived at a country or a place called Haran, which this time he spelled double R. So sounds very much like his late son's name, but this was spelled differently. Maybe the name reminded him of his son that passed away. Maybe that's why he decided to settle in Haran. But Haran was en route to their final destination and he settled and decided he was not going to move beyond that point. And so God called Abraham and told him to leave his father, leave his mother and go to this land that he was going to show him. This was a land with no name, by the way. And there he was going to make Abraham's name great, make him famous and even birth an entire nation out of him. I think he said nations, plural. Remember that Abraham had no kids and couldn't have children. So I'm reading this and I've got questions because my first question would be, okay, so his name Abraham meant father and yet he didn't have any children. I don't even know whether he was born with that name or his name was changed at some point by his own father. I don't know because it's really odd that you would name your child father. Okay, maybe not. Maybe it's not odd. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it was going to be made worse years later when God changed his name from father to father of many nations. The irony. The mockery. And the bravery of Abraham. Listen, I would have shortened my name if I was him. I'd be like, just call me Abe. And they'd say, but what does it mean? What does Abe mean? I'm like, doesn't matter. Abe. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah but mm -mm, no, Abe. <laughs> that would have been me. And I'll also be like, uh, so God, why are you unable to bless me in this land where I have the support of my family and friends? I have my own land. I have my own home. Why don't you just bless me here? Why do you have to take me all the way to some strange land where I'd have to fight for citizenship, deal with immigration issues? I'll have to rent land and, and all of that stuff when I already own my own land. Why? But I came to understand that it wasn't about the location. Abraham going to another country was actually not, the country was not tied to him being blessed. It wasn't like God couldn't bless him wherever he wanted. After all, he owns the entire earth. But I believe that obedience was the conduit 
that manifested God's promise. If you think about some of the other instances of ridiculous, quote-unquote, instructions that God had given people, I just did not make sense. But then the obedience produced the results. There was the one Naaman who had leprosy, high-ranking officer in the army, and he had leprosy, and the man of God goes to pray for him or talk to him, and he says to him, listen, just go bathe in the Jordan River, which was the commonest river. Listen, my shop is on the King's Road in London, and the King's Road is called the King's Road because it was once a private road for the King of England, and it was only for him and his nobilities. And so there are locations, rivers, and I imagine in Bible times that were exclusive, where commoners were not allowed to go to. And so this guy's like, okay, why are you sending me to a river that everybody goes to? He actually even said, but there are better rivers. It wasn't about the river. The healing was not in the Jordan. The healing came through obedience to a very specific instruction. And so you will find that there are times that you feel led to take action in an area of your life that seems totally unrelated to what you've been praying for, what you've been looking forward to, and just take the action. Like, don't try and understand everything because the bulk of the reason why you've been told to do what you're doing is unseen. We're dealing with more than one realm. Everything that happens in the physical is a result of what's going on in a superior space, which is the spirit realm, the unseen space. So obedience is powerful and obedience is specific and personal. Children of Israel were told to march around a wall, which wouldn't make sense to anyone. How do you win a war or take a city captive by simply marching around silently? Doesn't make sense, but obedience, hey, the walls came down. No questions asked. So fast forward to Abram having the promise and everything, and now he's had kids, his children have grown up, they've actually have become nations of their own, and they are at the mouth of the Jordan River, about to cross over to take the land that God had given to them. But there's an issue, because God says to Joshua, every place the sole of your feet shall tread upon, you will be on land I have given you. He didn't say go into this land and walk around it. And when you walk around it, I will give it to you. He says, you will be on land I have already given to you. I have pre-assigned to you. But then the reality was that there were people living in that land. There were Canaanites. They owned the land and they physically were present. But the promise which transcends the physical realm into the spiritual realm was what stood. So through a series of wars, if you'll call it that, because it's hardly a war if you're fighting God, you will lose if you fight God. The wars happened and the Israelites claimed the land as theirs. Whatever God gives you belongs to you, even if the physical reality is different. One of the mantras and the reminders that I tell myself and I share with you frequently on the podcast is don't make decisions based entirely on your senses. Don't allow your senses to draw conclusions for you because there's a difference between fact and truth. Fact is physical, is real, is what's happening now. Truth transcends what you can see. 
And that's why believing is seeing. In the Christian faith, you believe first and then you see. Think of an iceberg. If you look in purely without any equipment to look beneath the sea, beneath the surface of the sea, and you just look out to sea and there are some icebergs there, it's easy to think that you have a large piece of ice floating on the surface of the waters. But in reality, it's just the tip and there is a whole iceberg that might stretch many, many miles beneath the waters. You can see the rest of the iceberg. Everything we see and experience in this realm on earth as humans that our senses speak up, everything that our senses can perceive is only the tip of the iceberg. And the rest of the iceberg, the rest of the picture is hidden in the spirit realm. This includes ideas. When you have an idea, understand that it goes beyond just an idea. Everything that we see, the, I'm staring at the fan right now in this room, every piece of furniture was once an idea in someone's mind and it's made its way out of the mind and has become a physical thing, which is what ideas are meant to be. Your mind is designed to process ideas. It is not designed to hold ideas and store it forever. We are meant to process them and then physically let them materialize so that they can be experienced by other people. I once had the idea to trademark my company and I knew that because of the name, I didn't qualify for the trademark. But I went ahead and applied anyway, just because I was learning and coming to understand that every idea was the tip of something bigger and therefore I was not to dismiss it, especially when it's insistent and it wouldn't go away. Don't dismiss your ideas, even if they sound ridiculous to you. So I apply for the trademark and I get turned down, not surprisingly, for the reason I expected to get turned down. Cost me over 300 bucks. So I contact a lawyer, a trademark lawyer, and he says to me, his exact words were, you have zero chance of getting a trademark in this name. I suggest you mark your logo instead of the word, instead of the name. And there is a process for appealing rejections. And the process is another two or 300 pounds. But because I knew that there was really no chance and the lawyer had reassured me that there was none, I didn't bother going to appeal. But I did email the trademark office and try to plead my case and send some, some further information. I didn't hear back from them. Hold that thought. I had an idea seven months later to collaborate with a company in London and I'd been trying that for a while and had failed like they just wouldn't work with me because they were working with someone else. And so I finally get myself into the office of a decision maker and I'm having this conversation and I could see I was losing them. I could see that she was shaking her head and basically telling me, sorry, we wouldn't be able to go forward with you. And then I thought, but it's an idea that has a complete and a perfect end. It's not an idea where I got told no. It's the tip of an iceberg. And the minute I had that thought, that recollection in mind, she asked me, how did you get started in this? And I share my rock star story. And she goes, I'm really inspired by you and I'd like to work with you. In an instant, she changed her mind because I recognized that 
there was more than what I could see. There was more beyond what I was hearing and experiencing. I truly believed it. And faith is a powerful thing. So I come out of the office, I'm ecstatic, I'm happy. And I begin to wonder, what other no's, rejections have I accepted? What other challenges did I just allow? Because I didn't understand that my ideas were worth pursuing until they materialized into physical entities. And I remembered that seven months prior, I'd applied for the trademark and emailed them. I didn't appeal, so I didn't go through the correct procedure, but I emailed them and I never heard back from them. So I get home, I send another email and say, hey, seven months ago, sounded silly, but I thought, hey, they've already turned me down. Lawyer has said, I will never get this. I have absolutely nothing to lose. It doesn't cost me a dime to send an email. So I send this email. I emailed you seven months ago about my trade back and I never heard back. And I don't even remember how I ended the email because it was really more like some information, like you just didn't email me back. And a few days later, I get an email back from them with an apology and a new decision had been reached. They were overturning their decision. And hey, you can have your trademark. Guys, I have the R sign next to the baby cot shop today. And that happened because I refused to allow my senses to inform me that what it was seeing or hearing was the full picture. There is so much to see, if only you will believe. I didn't plan to rhyme, people. It just happened. I hope this has encouraged you. It certainly has encouraged me because I will be honest to say I have more stories where I gave up than I do where I kept on going. But it is moments like these where I share authentically from my heart personal experiences which tend to hide within the pages of my journal where I get the courage to share them out loud in the hope that you will be blessed. In these moments, I see how valuable it is for us to live our lives as though there is more beyond what we can see. Because when you do that, it goes beyond blessing you and it also blesses the people who are watching your life. You're amazing. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you next week.